afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. So glad to be with you. I'm your host, Chris Woolwind, and I have an interesting topic today. It's all about the word let. But before we begin with that, we usually do a little lighthearted, oh, you know, focusing on things that we shouldn't know or things that... uh, We're surprised we would even want to know. And I found a few things that uh, might tickle you a little bit. They certainly made me chuckle. Like, for instance, cotton candy, one of my all-time favorite candies. I didn't know this, though, that cotton candy was invented by a dentist. Yes, that is right. Spun sugar Invented by a dentist. What is his name? William Morrison, who was the president of the Tennessee State's Dental Association in 1897. It was patented as fairy floss. Well, I tell you what, if if that's dental floss, I'm in all the way for that. And I also thought this was kind of <laughs> funny. Uh People with bigger brains have more friends. Well, there was a study about this, and it was a research uh, activity done at Oxford. Can you can you believe that Oxford? And so they they uh, determined that the size of your prefrontal cortex is directly linked to the number of people in your social circle. Now, why did this make me laugh? Well, I just wondered then if if I take this kind of logic, so to speak, that if I'm going to know if I have a a great brain, I'm going to measure by the number of friends, well, then they should do the study right there at Oxford amongst all the, uh, the personnel, the students and the staff and faculty and just find out how many friends everybody has, you see. And then whoever had the least amount of friends there obviously had the smallest brain and therefore wouldn't belong there at Oxford. At least that's how I kind of, you know, look at things like this. Um, And here's another little stunner for you. It just kind of plays with the mind a bit. Did you know that two-thirds of the people who have ever lived to be 65 are alive today? Let me say that again. Two-thirds of the people who have ever lived on earth to be 65, two-thirds of them are alive today. That's kind of odd, isn't it? Human life expectancy around the world has increased more in the last 100 years than it did in the previous 200,000 years of human history, if you assume human history has gone back that long. Well, we won't debate that. That's for you know apologists and archaeologists and scientists and biologists and all those other gists. But that's not what we're here for. This is Life Hurts, God Heals, and we'd look... Um, at life through the lens of biblical scriptures and ponder 
reflect, contemplate, um, how to do life, how to uh, consider what God is doing in our lives and how we might find healing in in those things that God is doing. And how did I land on this particular subject of the word let not being a passive word? Well, as I had been thinking about my own life and looking at certain scriptures, I was taken back by the number of times the word let had showed up in my own personal, you know, readings of the scripture. And, you know, when when I reflected on my life and the mistakes I made, um, directions that I wish I could uh, take back, maybe... If I could do it all over again, how would I do life? I'm sure some of you have had those same internal conversations. And often I found myself using the word, you know, let. Why did I let those things happen? Isn't that an interesting phrase, this idea of passivity, that I was sticking into all of my my life sentences, you know, my reflections on on life and hurt and and how to move forward. You know, I might say something like, "Well, I will never let that happen again." You see, I've got I, I'm using the same word, but I'm using one in a very active sense and the other in a very passive sense. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, I don't know just how passive that word let really is and how helpful it is to think of it in a passive way. So let me just give you a brief sense of this word let uh, and then give you a sampling of, of how it shows up in the scriptures. You know, the word let, uh, I, 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 I don't know, I pulled this from one of the uh, dictionaries. Uh, I can't even tell you which. Maybe it's Chris's dictionary. No, it's not. Anyway, uh, the word let, uh, the, the first definition is as a verb, not prevent or forbid or to allow. My boss let me leave early. And and there are some synonyms, you know, attached to this. Uh, words like allow or permit, give permission to, give leave to, authorize, san sanction. And then they talk about uh, the word let being used in the imperative to formulate various expressions. Okay. That is uh, um, a command using the word let as a command. And then there is a British, it looks like what they call, a, a, or at least the meaning of it is, is from Britain with the idea of when you uh, rent your apartment uh, or you give uh, um, an exchange for a place to live, you let your apartment 
uh, out for rent, something along that line. Okay, so this word let, I, I started to do a, a few filters through the scriptures. And, and let me just give you some of these samplings here. Uh, from Genesis 1-3, you might be familiar with this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Matthew 5.16, Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Or when he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Boy, that sure sounds passive, doesn't it? Romans 6.12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Galatians 5, Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. Uh, Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary. Do you, do you see the, the sense of command that's, that's being talked about here? In Galatians 6, 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Ephesians 5.6, let no, let no one deceive you. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When I started to think about the word let, several years ago as I was trying to you know, <laughs> figure out my wilderness that I had gone through in my life. And many of you have a wilderness and you're looking for solutions and you're also looking for ways to avoid a wilderness. But one of the critical words that gave me pause was this word let. Because I always thought the word was passive. But I'm discovering, as I was going through the scriptures, that there is a, a command prerogative that is, that's, that's being displayed in this word let. And, of course, I've read all these uh, samplings uh, to you from the scriptures about, because I just wanted you to see how proactive that word let is. It is used by God in the form of a command. It's used by the apostles in a form of command. But there is another way the word let is used. For instance, um, when he says, do not let, do not let any unwholesome talk. When Paul talks about this, he's giving us a command, but he's giving us a command to command ourselves. 
Did you see that difference? Do not, there's the command, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. In other words, the, the, the idea here is that, is that letting something happen in my life is something that, how do I want to say this? Is, uh, I didn't just allow it because of inactivity. I'm making it happen because of activi activity that I am engaging in. This was so important for my own healing. I can't tell you enough about why or how this helped. Because, you know, when we suffer as victims, something surprising happens to us and we are unprepared for what happens and the pain that follows, we are caught by surprise by any number of things, and I don't need to list those. Um, I was thinking even just now about the pandemic. We can let ourselves be victims of the quarantine, or we can let ourselves have a positive attitude toward it. This idea of let is a command word, not just a passive word. Well, this changes things for me because sometimes I think that I go through life, you know, when I was young, I go through life thinking I'm in charge of my destiny. Most of us get out of college ready to take over the world or we start a business to take over something or to create something new that's going to be better than ever you know so we we take this command control response and then we run into life and life has some hurdles for us and we can then take one of two stances we can jump that hurdle or if we trip over it, we go, well, I'm never going to jump that hurdle again. A couple of those responses there. I'm thinking that if I, if I trip on a hurdle, I'm going to learn from it and then make those two kinds of choices. I'm either going to learn how to jump that hurdle or I'm going to withdraw from that hurdle. And both of those are lets. I'm going to let the hurdle control my life in one of two ways. I'm either going to let that hurdle teach me to know how to jump that hurdle, or I'm going to let that hurdle teach me never to jump that hurdle again. Isn't this interesting? So when I'm using the word let, it's not a very passive word at all. And I want to track us a little bit further in these reflections on the word let. When I, what, what comes to mind when you think of the word apathy, for instance? This idea of, I don't care. Or when someone develops an apathetic 
attitude towards something. And we can look at that and go, wow, that person's being rather passive about life. They don't care about life. Well, let me confront that thought with the word let. They are actually, that individual is letting something happen. They're, they, they're not in charge of what happened to them in terms of an external circumstance or a difficulty, a hurdle, okay? However, the choice to be apathetic towards something is very much a command control kind of uh, equation that we make in our life. A lack of effort or a lack of kindness. Those are command control let words. If I let my dwelling, my home, go to pot, I am making a command control decision. I'm letting it happen. Do you see what I'm doing here is having gone through the 10 years of wilderness journey that I personally went through where lots of life events began to spill out on me. (laughs) Some cases it was vomit. Some cases it was just uh, hardship, hardship, hardship. And me not being equipped enough to handle uh, the stress of these things, I fell into a depression, a despondency, an apathy. And my position in retrospect, in looking back at how those kinds of things happened, I... I took the role of victim. That is, these things happen to me. I'm a victim. And in truth, I am. I am a victim. Okay? When I trip the hurdle, I'm a victim of that hurdle. However, my response to that is very much a command control response. What will I do? And if I choose to do nothing... If I choose the apathy, if I choose the depression, it is a command control response because perhaps I'm waiting for a reason to live. I'm looking, or maybe I'm not looking for a reason to live. Do you see the difference? There was a period of time when I was contemplating taking my own life. Many of you have been in that situation. In fact, I I kind of believe that everybody in life at some point contemplates taking their own life. That's That's just a temptation there because you think it would be easy. And it probably is easy. It it doesn't make life easy for anybody else, but it is the easy way out for you, but and me. But That contemplation is one where I'm deciding if I want to be. uh, Well, there you go. I could end the sentence that way. 
if I want to be or not. It is a command-centered decision. The problem, I think, for, for me, for us, especially if we are going through wilderness, is, is when we take the victim mentality to a, a deeper level, then we're looking for others to blame. We're looking for something or someone to blame. And that is just normal. That, that's normal. We, you know, we're trying to figure out what happened, who did this, and so forth. But you know, once you figure that out, who did this, and, and, and you, you figure out the timeline and the consequences and all of that kind of stuff, does that actually fix the hurt? Not really. Not really at all. You know, time and again, through Hollywood or through real life, you've seen the movies where, you know, someone wants to take vengeance and revenge, and uh, there's the, the counter or the contra vi uh, advice that says, you know what, even if you take this person's life, even if you get your payback, and it makes you feel good in that moment, it won't fix the hurt. It won't bring the people back. It won't make you healthy again. And there's truth to that. Because it doesn't. And so for me, having gone through my wilderness, having figured out what happened in my life, how it happened in my life, uh, things that I was in control of, things I wasn't in control of, okay, once I figured that out, and you spend a great amount of emotional energy trying to figure those things out. Once you've dispensed with all of that emotional energy, time, months, years, processing all of that, what you're left with is still a broken heart. It's still a lot of frustration or hurt or anger or whatever from your childhood, from circumstance, from job, whatever it is, it doesn't take away the hurt. And so I, me, Chris, I ask myself, why? Why doesn't the hurt go away? And I don't know that I have the answer. They say time heals all wounds. Well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I know many, many people, not only in, not only talking about me, but people that I have counseled over the years who have held grudges and held pain for 30 and 40 and 50 years. In fact, I had a discussion several years ago with uh, someone who was in their 90s and they were still dealing with pain and guilt over something they did when they were 13 years old. So don't give me the time heals all wounds stuff. It doesn't. Pain, pain lasts a lifetime. So what we do with the pain has a lot to do with this word let. So I want you to think about that, and then we're going to uh, move into some, some deeper areas about this. But I, I just want to do a quick 
Shout out to uh, Linked Local Network, which uh, uh, sponsors our program here. So grateful for them. And uh, want to draw your attention to other podcasts that are uh, partnering with Life Hurts, God Heals, Community Voices Chat, uh, that uh, has a show every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, I should say, correct that, every other Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific on Linked Local Network. You might enjoy that. And also Pillars of Franchising uh, every Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. would love for you to uh, check that out as well, particularly if you're in business and, and so forth. I um, think you'll enjoy both of those podcasts. Um, our podcast is certainly available on Apple platform and FM player platforms for your phone. Uh, we can be reached at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. If you have some comments or some things you'd like to talk about, you can certainly email us and we do our best to, to chat with you about those things. And uh, you can also contact us on our Facebook page, Life Hurts God Heals. You can also make contact with all of our episodes uh, there as well. Um, so, Link Local Network, Facebook page, you can get a list of all of our episodes. That way, life hurts, God heals. So glad you're with us. Okay, so back now to this idea of moving forward uh, from pain, but reflecting on this word, let. We've been talking about how let, letting something happen is not a, a passive word. It's a, it's a command word. It's something that, that we actually command in ourselves. But if we're confused about that, we can, we can develop this whole array of uh, thinking about our, our pain that doesn't actually move us forward. When something happened, we use sometimes phrases, we let this happen to us. We let it happen. And so we're filled with regret. But I just want us to zero in on the idea of this word let, because when we let something happen, we actually made a made some kind of decision. Now, we're not always conscious of that decision that we made. We're not conscious sometimes of a pattern that we've put ourselves in that let a situation or a circumstance happen to us. But I, I have found that as I was going through the scriptures, all the, all the proactive commands that uh, the scriptures lay out for us, that God lays out for us, and they're not passive at all. They're actually, if I can put it this way, they are an invitation. You know, Jesus often used the word let to suggest the idea of yielding ourselves to something okay he who has ears to hear 
let them hear. Jesus is not commanding something, per se. There is this sense of command, let them hear, as if he is speaking to people all over the world, commanding that those who have listening hearts could actually hear the words of God, the truths of God. But there's this sense of... of, uh, putting the ball in our court, helping us make that decision. Do I want to hear from my heart what God is saying? I know what the words are. I'm hearing from my ears. But you know, those phrases of Jesus, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Uh, It would be the same way, he who has eyes to see, let them see. Well, everybody can see, but obviously that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's wanting them to see something far deeper. And if they have the eyes to see, that is, if they're seeking God, then they'll hear what God is saying. If they're listening for God, then they'll hear what God is saying. Let them see. Let them hear. But guess where the the decision is? falls. It falls to us. Am I seeking? Am I seeing, looking for God? Am I listening for God? And as I began to just, you know, spread this out across my life, this idea of of letting and and pursuing, in other words, well, let, let me give you an interesting dichotomy that might Ill, Ill, illustrate this a little bit. When we talk about the word yield, I'm yielding myself to something. I'm letting something happen, right? I yield to this. I yield control of the discussion to someone else, okay? Sometimes we're in a forced yield. You know, I yield the ball, <laughs> Uh, because of the rules or something like that, okay? Um, I give up something because of rules or, or circumstance. I'm yielding. But isn't it interesting that when the Bible talks about yielding ourselves to God or submitting ourselves to God, it is a decision that we make. If we're going to see, if we're going to hear God, there is, this, there is this position that we must take in terms of yielding. Or can I use the word let, letting? Letting. I'm not talking about, well, maybe I am, but <laughs> letting something happen. Yes, there is that, but actually letting something happen that I want to have happen. That's really where I, the, the, the import of yielding is the idea of, of yielding in order to follow the rules, yielding in order to move forward, yielding as a part of the fabric of, of what we do in order to be kind or to work with others. We yield, we work together. I'm going to do my thing, they're going to do their thing. So 
I'm going to yield myself to this other person doing their thing on the team, and I'll focus on the things that I'm doing. You know, this this uh, I don't want it to get too confused about this. It's just this concept of letting and yielding is crucial to our healing. Letting God have his way in our life rather than resisting or fighting is a way of yielding my control to God's power. Letting, you know, as I said, if I'm in a team and I let my teammate do something, I yield to my teammate uh, so that I focus on the thing, so that as a team we, we, we win the game, let's say. Okay, so in my life with God, I'm yielding to God, letting him do what he does best, and I focus on the things that I then do. But it's, it's actually quite profound that God says, if we're going to play ball, you have to yield to me. You, ha- you actually have to let go of the ball and give it to me. And then I'll give it to you. But you have to make the decision to play ball. That's, that's the direction, folks, that I, I wanted us to reflect on and contemplate about our own paths of healing. Your path to healing and my path to healing, there are parallels, but they are very different journeys, aren't they? However, there is a common denominator, and it does have to do with, particularly folks, if you are devoted believers of God and you're struggling with hurt, struggling to make sense of what happened. When we yield to God's journey, yield to God's work in that journey, yield the ball to God and let him run the ball in our life, I firmly believe that you and I were already on the path to healing. Because let is not a passive. Let is a very much a command control. And when I'm letting God doing something, I'm making the decision to yield to God's work. But there's even another, and maybe this is dangerous to bring up, folks. Maybe it is. But I, I got to bring it up. If God is, Lord of the universe and Lord of my life and he knows the days that I'm going to live before I even live them and he has this capacity to see the directions that my life is going to take and he has the capacities to see uh, the hurdles that I will face in my life then If I not only yield to him the ball to move me forward 
there's another part of this yielding, which is yielding to the idea that God knew. God knew the, the path before I ever got on it. Letting, well, it's now it's not a command control. This is the passive part, <laughs> okay? The active part was letting God take control of my life because I can't figure it out, okay? But the passive part is is in fact acknowledging or yielding to the knowledge that God already knew. God knew what the enemy would throw in my life. God knew what the world would do against me. God knew what my own flesh, my own sinful self would do that would compromise my life. God knew these things. Once I yield to that kind of knowledge, and I make myself yield to that, it's a form of acceptance. I accept this. Once I'm there accepting God's role, God's knowledge in this, then I'm also then yielding the ball to him what I have found that has helped me is that as I let go of things that I typically thought I was in control of and then discovered that I wasn't, when I yield control, yield this knowledge that God knows. Wow. Something fantastic begins to happen with all the hurt. It, it begins to dissipate. Somehow I find myself on God's team, that I'm no longer alone trying to figure life out or to fight this battle of life. In fact, I yield to the idea that I don't need to know everything. I yield... I'm using that word firmly in place of let, just so we get a, a stronger picture of what this let means. I yield to God being the one who makes everything right in my life. I don't have to make everything right. I don't have to figure out everything. I don't have to connect all the dots. I can let God and then fill in the blank. I can let God do everything. Now, I made the, the command control decision, which is the way God wanted it. This is why we have free will. This is why we're made in the image of God. He gave us the power of decision, and then he tells us, you know, over the course of the entire Bible, what kind of decision are you going to make? Are you going to make a decision that allows me to be Lord in your mind, in your thoughts, in your activities, in your actions? Or are you going to make a decision that you want to do it your way and you want me on the sidelines being your coach and you're going to play? How do you want to, how do, you want to do this game? How do you want to play team with God? 
And what I learned from this is that there were a lot of setups in my life for failure. See, trouble comes. It's going to come to all of us. The failure is not in the trouble coming. The failure, the inability, the incapacities is is in our response to it. That's what God is looking at. You know, when the when we think about the word test, the uh, when it shows up in Scripture, test or trials or uh, those kinds of things, often God says in the Scripture, because I want to see what's in your heart. That's what he told the Israelites. I tested them in the wilderness to see what was in their hearts. Did they really want me or did they just want the promised land? Did they really want me or did they just want an easier life? I rescued them, but now I need to know what's in their heart. James says that we encounter various trials and tests, but he says, consider it joy. Now, we, now oftentimes we think that that's in terms of a, of a command, but the word consider is the same way with the word let. He's, put, he's saying you should think of it as joy, but you have to make the decision. You have to yield to the test. Let God see the joy in your heart, if in fact there is joy there. Do you see where I'm, I'm floating here? <laughs> is our direction toward healing and letting God heal us is something that we have to actually agree to. We have to let God heal us. We work really hard at healing ourselves, don't we? Oh my, I can't tell you the miles I walked and the amount of journaling pages that I wrote to try and find healing. And in the time, I just spilled out, <laughs> okay, out of my life looking for these things. And it was part of the journey. But the conclusion that I landed on is something, folks, that will help me when life vomits on me again. And it will. And it will on you. Because life is broken and messed up. The world is broken and messed up. People are broken and messed up because of sin. Sin, sin, sin. So as a result, we are looking for capacities to overcome, to work through life's difficulties, or to walk on the storm as I was teaching earlier this week with Peter walking on the water. The other disciples are in the boat, huddled together in the cold and the surf, believing they're seeing a ghost when Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, you know, if it's really you, Lord, and you're not a ghost, have me come out to the water. And Jesus says, come on out. And you can imagine Peter walking on the water and turning around at the guys and saying, look at me. Can you even believe this? 
Then, of course, he sees a big wave and then he starts to sink. You see, this is about equipping ourselves to focus on Jesus, focus on our healing. But we have to make that happen. We can take the role of the victim because we are victims at times, sometimes victims of our own stupidity, but nevertheless, we're victims. But you can't hold on to that for very long and find healing. You actually have to use this word let and understand it from the place of decision-making and command control. And then move your life in the direction of what God wants to do. God God says, I've got healing for you, but you have to let me do it. You have to yield. Stop fighting. Be still. Know that I'm God. Let go. Let Go. Did you hear that? It's what I kind of want to close this show with. Let go. Let God. That phrase is not hard to understand. But it's very difficult to understand if we're taking it from a passive. No, the letting go is a decision we make. And it is the most powerful decision. And it's it's this letting God every day. Stop trying to figure everything out about what happened to you. Pass the ball to God. Let Him on your team again. Let him speak. He who has ears to hear. Jesus tells us, let, let us hear. Okay, but we have to make that decision to hear and to see. Are we listening? And I think that's the future projection that I just want to leave us with. Be in the position of letting God every day. Letting God in letting God move, letting God speak, accept that God knows what happened. Accept the fact that God knows the trouble that's, go- that's coming your way. It may come today, may come next week, may come next month or next year. I don't know. But accept, yield to the knowledge that God knows the trouble that's coming. And what will you do? What will your response be? Okay? All right, friends. It was good to be with you this afternoon. God bless you in Jesus' name.